Ladies and gentlemen, um, my name is Anthony Bouvelo. I'm the research director here at the Lowy Institute for in International Policy. I'm also the program director for our West Asia program. Um, I'm also the uh, tragic footballer in chief here at the Lowy Institute. Um, hello and welcome to this first session of today's conference looking at business and investment ties and how football and, and the Asian Cup in particular can be used to um, support Australia's business and investment ties in Asia. Um, we have two objectives uh, for this first session. The first is we want to think about how the 2015 Asian Cup can be used to support Australian uh, business objectives in Asia, including as a, as a, as a vehicle for business engagement, uh, promotion and for networking. And what we're really trying to do uh, in both this session and the others is to do a little bit of brainstorming. Um, we, as Michael said, we have a very practical focus. Um, our, our goal is to come up with ideas, but also come up with uh, ways to implement those ideas between now and 2015. And that's the second objective. Um, we, have, we have this practical focus and it's about what are the things that we need to do between now and 2015 to use the Asian Cup as a business and investment, um, uh, as a vehicle for, for business in, and investment engagement with Asia, not just in the lead up and during the Asian Cup, but also after the Asian Cup. Um, we have a great panel to kick off that discussion. Um, we had a few. We had a last-minute withdrawal, uh, so we had to reshuffle the team sheet a little. Um, Patricia Forsyth, Forsyth, the executive director of the uh, Sydney Business Chamber, was unfortunately unable to join us uh, because of a medical issue. Nevertheless, I, th I still think we have a great attacking lineup um, this morning. Um, our panelists are, are um, Christopher Fong, the deputy chairman of the Brisbane Raw Football Club and senior vice president of the Buckery Group. Uh, Chris is there in the middle. Uh, John Lord, AM, the chairman of Huawei Technologies Australia, John's with me here, and Ashley White, the chair of uh, Business Club Australia uh, at Austrade. Um, I won't go through their bios, they're in the packs, uh, and I want to save as much time as we can um, for the discussion. Just a reminder, as Michael said this morning, our discussions today are on the record, and we will be publishing a paper uh, drawing on some of the key ideas that will come out of this conference um, and, and hopefully publishing that uh, early, in the, early in the new year or as soon as I uh, write it. Um, I wanted to start with our panel just by asking each of our panellists a very general question. Um, you know, there's a lots of... Australia has lots of experience uh, with, these, with these using sporting events for business networking. We've seen it with the Rugby World Club, with cricket, with the Olympics. Um, what I wanted to get a better sense of, though, was what does business look for in these occasions? I mean, we, you know, Austria is very experienced at organising these events, but what does business want from these occasions? What does business see as the value of building, uh, of using sporting events as, as vehicles for meetings and for, for networking, or, or more generally, as a, as a vehicle for pursuing their business objectives? So maybe I'll start with you, uh, with you, John. Mm, thanks, Anthony. Uh, I guess I come from the perspe uh, perspective of uh, representing a foreign country coming into <coughs> Australia and, uh, and, and looking at what has been written and looking at the opportunity here. I thought about what would we want coming down to Australia uh, for, the, for the Asia Cup. We would be looking to interact with Australian small to medium enterprises. And uh, I, I guess I just make a statement here. Uh, we read a lot about Australian manufacturing is waning, we're dropping out of it. Yes, I hear that, but to me, the backbone of Australian manufacturing in the future is the small to medium enterprise. Why I say that is because the two industries I'm involved in, which is ICT and Defence, uh, both are part of the global supply chain. And our objective 
is to get more SMEs involved in the global supply chain. Now, SMEs don't have a lot of money to go along to receptions, dinners, travel the world to meet global companies to get into that supply chain. So to me, coming down to Australia for this unique event with targeted SMEs who are in our areas of business, be they defence, be they ICT, gives us a chance to sign them up, get Australian innovation, Australian smart companies involved in our global supply chain. We already uh, use product in 31 countries. Australia is poorly represented. We're the largest telecommunications company in the world. We only have two Australian suppliers. We have two New Zealand suppliers. So there's a great opportunity for us to meet and utilise Australian SMEs in the future. And I see that's a real focus for us and perhaps other big companies who want more people or more companies in their supply chain. What about you, Christopher? I mean, the Backroom Group has made a huge investment in Brisbane Raw. Not going so well this year, but you know we won't talk oh, about that. It's early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> <laughs> um, nevertheless, uh, you've obviously—it's not just a, a sporting decision; it's also a business decision. What, what do you, from the battery group perspective, what, what do you look for in, in that kind of investment? Well, you're right. I mean, it's—it's it's certainly. The, I think the first priority is there's a love for football. There's no doubt about that, um, and that's why we're in. Um, the business side has also become very important, um, and I realise this myself. I'm very new to the football side. Um, Brisbane is my first introduction to, to the game um, from Buckbury. But what we're looking for is, I guess, transfer of technology and, and, and ideas. Um, Indonesia being a developing country, is, uh, it, it has a hunger for, for learning. Um, we have a country of 250 million people. They all love football, but they're not particularly good at it compared to other countries who have been playing it as long as they have. We see it as there is a, a lack in, in on the development side, and we look at Australia as being a good example of how to provide technology um, and expertise. Um, when we look at, for example, the lessons Australia learned from the Montreal Olympics when setting up AIS, uh, and we think Indonesia needs something similar to that. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we've gone into come into Australia, brought into the RAW, uh, and we want to set up an academy in Indonesia using Australian IP. Uh, but that's one part. Uh, we also have a university, a very small university, but now we're talking, the last year since we've come into, into Brisbane, uh, we're talking to one of the top universities in Queensland about uh, working with them. And that's sharing courses, sharing, uh, sending students down, down, down here, um, um, and even on the football side. Um, there are opportunities. So it's, it's quite broad. Um, our, I mean, our, our real focus really is to, to tap into what, uh, I guess what I'm saying is tap, tap into Australian knowledge and, and expertise and bring it into Indonesia. But um, now that, I mean, for example, we're also in the hotels and resort business and property. So we're looking at tourism, and we talked about tourism earlier today, and, and um, meetings in Queensland this week, and. Um, what the Queensland government is trying to do is really drive um, tourism both ways. And for example, Brood is about to start flying to Brisbane next year, and we see a great opportunity now to sort of create some link and linkages between between the two, between Indonesia and, and Queensland. So, it's, so I suppose it's in your case, you kind of fingers crossed that Indonesia makes it to the 2015 Asian Cup. Yeah, well, <laughs> we need to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, I mean, you've had a long history um, working on these issues, uh, running business clubs, you know, a whole series of events, you know, the Sydney Olympics and uh, uh, the World Cups and Rugby World Cups and Cricket uh, World Cups. I mean, 
what's your sense of what business wants from these events and what do you have to do to what, what do they have to do to ensure that kind of business achieves their objectives out of these sporting events it is a very good question. I think there's there's two parts to what we're talking about. Uh, two years out from the, the tournament itself, it's it's how those Australian companies can actually get involved uh, in helping stage the event itself. So showcasing what they're actually they're good at, their own products and services, and, and actually building the games. That can range across many different industries, from telecommunications to security planning to design and architecture. Um, so I think that's the probably the first and foremost issue and I think from the Sydney Olympics for example a lot of those Australian companies have gone on to help Beijing stage the Olympics, they've gone on to help London stage the Olympics, uh, a few of them are involved uh, in Delhi for the Commonwealth Games and Vancouver for the Winter Olympics so it actually has become an industry uh, in itself and so I think what the AFC, uh, what the Asian Cup actually provides for Australia along with the Cricket World Cup in 2015 and also the, the Com Games uh, on the Gold Coast a few years afterwards is a chance to reignite and, and sort of practice what we preach and, and demonstrate to the world that Australian business uh, business people are actually good at doing these uh, major sporting events and are a sophisticated nation. Um, the second part, which is both what uh, John and Christopher have alluded to, is actually what happens during the event itself. All eyes will be on Australia um, at that time. There's going to be a, a lot of media attention, a lot of uh, opportunities for, for us to profile uh, the Australian brand proposition uh, and, and innovation and creativity that Australian companies do have, but it's how we actually influence that composition of those 45,000 visitors, or as Minister Emerson mentioned this morning, maybe more, uh, to make sure that they are business-minded when they're actually down here. So I think that's an important step that needs to happen uh, between now and 2015, so they're not getting on the plane uh, and then business is an afterthought. Uh, I want to drill down a little bit um, further on this. I mean, uh, and maybe say we'll start with you again, Ashley. The experience in the past has been, you know, we, we've, you have this event, you have a business networking event or events around the event. Um, is that enough? Uh, um, you know, how do these things work? Do you need, is there, is there some way to be a bit more creative about how you could integrate business promotion and business networking opportunities with these sporting events, you know, in terms of doing things in the lead up to the tournament, not just during the tournament or afterwards? For sure, like one size most certainly doesn't fit all. It depends on the nature of the tournament and the nature of the, the people who will be involved. And I think you have to look quite carefully at uh, programs or the activities that happen in Australia versus what may happen, what the Australian proposition might be in, in an overseas uh, environment. What we're trying to do in Australia is identify people from all around the world, and this is, I think we need to be real, it's not just Asia. Uh, there will be people, whether Indonesia makes it or not, probably from Indonesia. I know Christopher would be here, for example. Um, uh, and how we shape uh, the, the, sort of the strategy, the activities that we do, uh, it may not necessarily be bilateral in a sense. I think we have to be quite careful to not just make it Australia and Japan, Australia and Korea. Um, and also look quite carefully at what the, the government um, investment themes are, for example, um, infrastructure and tourism infrastructure, very important uh, government priorities for us right now. So starting to look quite carefully at what do we want to get out of the, the tournament in terms of the, the business outcomes and starting to really focus on uh, our overseas network, the Australian government network, particularly in, in Asia, but other parts of the world as well, to start thinking about, okay, if, if, if the, uh, the tournament itself is, is an education, focus, we've got to start looking at who the education providers are and making sure that they're either, if they're coming to Australia in the near future, that they're here in, in around January 2015, because that'll be a pretty good time to be here. 
Chris, I mean, as a business person, would you just want to come to a kind of a you know a business breakfast before a game or or, or a cocktail event during the game, or would you want to see things in the lead up or, or after? Well, you know, for us, it's a little bit different because we are a foreign company, a foreign family that owns an Australian club, so we've already started. Regardless, you know, I mean, it's 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 quite interesting where where we have a number of sponsors who in Brisbane who also have businesses in in Indonesia, such as Coke. So we're, we're, we're looking at a whole range of programs that surround what we do. Mm. And being breakfast, lunches, being, being a range of meetings, etc., discussions on what we do related to TV rights. Um, so we're, we're in the television business up there and how that could work um, to, to just engage, just engagement. So we're getting to know people and looking at, looking at ideas. Mm. Um, and we've found the last four months just getting out and meeting the business community, uh, and that's you know, the private sector and also government, uh, it's opened an amazing amount of doors for us, um, and it's working both ways. So I see this as, as a fantastic step as we head towards 2015, um, where, I mean, we've got, for us, 250 million people, we're trying to attract them now. We want, to look, we want them to start looking at Australia now. Um, in terms of football, they don't really, they look the other way, um, and, and that's very important for us. So. It's, 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 it's across the board how we can approach that from various types of events. John, what about in Huawei's perspective? Yes, uh, we're already starting this, and I get back to the SMEs, in that Victoria and New South Wales governments are both very, very proactive with their, uh, with their China programs at the mm. moment. So uh, both of us invited us down next year, and we're bringing down our global supply team who will you know, go to targeted SME groups and brief them and tell them what we want and explain in plain language. I've been to some of our presentations by our global supply team in China and I can't understand how an Australian small business would get into it. So we're bringing down those teams starting next year and that can flow right through to 2015. Uh, could I make a comment about uh, just how important the name of Australia is in sport overseas, which was referred to by the Minister and Frank this morning. Uh, Huawei is a pretty naive company when it comes to sport and we sponsored another sport this year in one of the states. Uh, it's the first team... It's all right, you're allowed to mention it. I'm allowed to mention it. <laughs> Rugby league. It's the first sports sponsorship this largest company in the world has ever done in the world, and that's here. Uh, so we've taken back to them, this is how important sport is in Australia. Now, I understand it's not confirmed yet, but uh, that sport may well play a league fixture in China next year. You know, so what benefit is that? Chinese will never understand that sport, where they will football. Uh, well, the beauty is Australia's name will get known. It, it's, uh, it's going to be the team that's sponsored by a Russian company and the team that's sponsored by a Chinese company. It's going to be televised into Russia, televised into China, televised back into Australia. And Australia, two teams from Australia are going to be the focus. That's great PR for Australia. And I think these types of things in the next few years will get people in the region knowing more about Australia, which will then attract them to come here when, when the Cup's here as well. So I think it's those types of initiatives and uh, cashing in on things like this rugby league game in China next year or similar events will we'll tell people more about Australia, our culture and you know, build up that passion to come here uh, in, in 2015 and for other events. One of the things that was mentioned in the uh, Australian Government's Asia, Australia in the Asian Century White Paper and was also, in, also <coughs> part of the FFA submission to that paper was, was the, the growing importance of Asia's middle class mm. uh, and the, the opportunity that football provides to kind of tap in or to get in contact with that middle class. How important do you think that is? Uh, perhaps to you, John, first, and then to 
uh, than to Christopher. Mm, it, it, it's the growing middle class or the, even the slightly better off younger people, uh, younger person. Uh, in China, it's a good example, the average age of our company is only 32 of the 80,000 uh, employees in China because uh, they're all in the ICT industry. Uh, as they get more money, uh, they will explain to me the where they used to buy beef from the, 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 the person down the road, which was Chinese beef, now they don't want Chinese beef, they want Australian beef because the Australian reputation is, it's all called Wagyu, but the Australian reputation is Australia is a, a very good country, it has the best beef in the world, and therefore as they get more disposable income, they want the Australian product, not the local product. So that's what's, you know, there's, that, that's happening there, uh, even amongst people who are not quite the middle income yet, but as they get more disposable income, they want the better product from the better country and the country that has a good reputation. So I see that being uh, a focus uh, throughout the region as well. Christopher? I mean, Indonesia, there's, according to World Bank figures, there's eight to nine million people entering the middle class every year. So that's a, they have a massive buying power. We, we see that through our property divisions and et cetera. So it's there, it's just, it's an amazing amount of growth. Uh, in terms of football and how we engage it with Australia, <coughs> I mean, obviously going back to the raw again, I mean, it, we, we want to do that. We want to grow a huge fan base in Indonesia, um, the raw. Um, and so we, we have to promote it. And, and we, want to, we want to bring the track down here. Now, I'll give you an example. We, we did a, uh, a social media event recently, the last two months, uh, or two months ago. And uh, we had 80,000 respondents. And it was just targeted on raw fans, uh, and on their Facebook or whatever, however they did it on Twitter. Um, we were surprised to see 35,000 respondents came from Indonesia. And, and we didn't, they weren't targeted, they were, nothing was done in the language, it was all in English. And we, we've seen this as a fantastic opportunity to say, well, how, how do we capitalise on this? Uh, you know, how do we, how do we, we, we show great, give the fans what they want in Indonesia? And is it through uh, television? Is it through uh, good football? Is it through a, a mixture of things? So it's, it's, it's something we're learning, we're going through. And I, I think, you know, as we head towards this again, head towards 2015, you know, we're going to be ready. And, uh, and I think well, there's going to be a great amount of interest. And I think Australian business needs to be ready for this uh, <coughs> and how they can capitalise. Uh, Ashley, do you want to add anything on that? Yeah, like I, I think just going from the Indonesian example, you know, the, the 240 million people, I think 60% of thereabouts are under the age of 39. With that growing affluence that, that is happening, they're the ones that we need to be targeting over the coming years in 2013 and 14. Again, they'll be looking to follow their teams. They'll be down here. Um, they'll be down here for pleasure. But then we just need to get that mindset that Australia is a place to do business as well. I'm not sure if that's quite there across, um, across every uh, younger person throughout Asia. Uh, now, obviously, obviously the potential is there from what, you, what all three of you have said, but there's a question of, you know, it, it, it all sounds like a great idea, 2015 Asian Cup will hold some business networking events, but you've got to make it happen, uh, and you've got to make those kind of ideas that are kind of coming out of the things you're saying happen. Actually, what needs to happen between now and 2015 to kind of, in effect, build an architecture to support, you know, uh, the kind of um, business networking and trade promotion around the Asian Cup? One of, the, one of the more successful activities we did around the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne was where we had a, a steering committee, a uh, business steering committee with the various states, um, obviously Victoria, but various other states as well, uh, and the Australian government and business representatives, just to get the right objectives about 18 months out from the start. 
uh, Margaret Jackson from Qantas chaired that um, that committee and really had a, a lot of credibility to what we're actually doing. It was very clear from the outset uh, as to uh, the sorts of resources that went into it. We were able to make uh, a smallish uh, contribution from various agencies and uh, the private sector to make it a, a sort of greater than the sum of its parts to make a, a, a really united front. Um, one of the other things I think we need to quite carefully look at is some of the key messages uh, in 2013 for our overseas network, particularly government in Asia, where, who, who do have the access to uh, some of these business people that uh, some of the Australian business people may not have access to, and making sure that when they're out there in, in, these, uh, in the fields doing their work, uh, that they're, they've got the right messages about what's happening. And that might start to shape, and this is in 2013, might start to shape what we do in 2015, what it might look like, what are the industries that we need to focus on, um, and also the reality check that um, you can't be all for everyone, uh, you can't cover every possible industry. Um, I know everyone wants to have various industry events, but I think we need to be quite careful that we don't uh, create something far bigger than what it is, and it could end up being a disaster if it's um, if it's just so oversubscribed. And, and it's easier to throw on a you know, throw a, you know a cocktail party together or you know a, kind of an event for the game, but. You also have to be quite serious about well, who do you get there, how do you match people together, how involved is that in your kind of you know, past experience? Sure, but the, the diplomatic approach, this is something that we've just come on the back of in London from the, from the Olympics over there, um, that culminated a two-year project purely profiling Australia's major sporting event capability. Um, so across 25 countries we're able to target the decision makers uh, for the major sporting events over the next 10 years from Russia, Brazil, Qatar, Japan, um, uh, Korea. Uh, and and it, was a, it was had that government imprimatur, uh, um, I guess, to sort of say, this is a serious uh, event. Don't miss this when you're in London for your uh, programs. We know you're there for the opening ceremony the night before, but this is the one and only Australian gala function. Sure, in hindsight, I think we probably could have done a few more uh, activities in London, um, but I, I think at the, the surface, it was a very highly targeted affair. I think it will be one of our more successful uh, activities that we've done over the years. Uh, Christopher, John, I'd like to bring you into the discussion. What, in your view, needs to happen between our I mean, people? I mean, I agree. I think government has a, a, a large role to play, um, but so does the private sector. And I mean, I'm thinking of, for example, the clearinghouse, somewhere where you can go, a portal where you can, you, you're interested in football, you're interested in Australia, you're interested in biz business, where do I go? You know, one portal I can go to and I can find out what games are being played, where they're being played, where I can book a hotel. Uh, you know, who, which companies are supporting what, uh, if I want to get involved, I want to have a business meeting, do I, who can I talk to, do I talk to Austrade, do I talk to a local government representative, do I contact a company who's involved in, and you know, and I think surrounding something like that where you have events, where you target specific industries, um, and you'll get interest. Uh, but you, you need to engage and you need to promote it and you need to, and I, and I think it's very important, I mean we work very closely with Austrade in Indonesia uh, and they've been fantastic for us and it's, it's everything from, from visas to arranging meetings to finding out who we should be talking to to you know, policy etc. So uh, I think you know, that, that public-private sector engagement is going to be very important but you need a place to go to and I'm thinking something like a clearinghouse where you, you, you can direct people to to understand what is going on, where to look. And when does that need to be, you know, you're talking about January 2015, no, when does that need to be up and running? Now, you know, I mean, you, you can start now and you start building up. I mean, we're, for example, we're, we're talking to, again, Coca-Cola in Indonesia. We have the rights in Indonesia for, the, for the, the World Cup. And we're talking about programs now 
uh, on our network, we're, we're launching an all football channel next year, um, 24 hour sports channel, and they're talking about programs they want to build up now uh, leading up to the World Cup. Now, but we're not just talking about TV, we're talking about community development programs, we're talking about getting out in, in the areas and, and, and engaging people at various levels. Uh, some don't in, have internet, but a lot do. And, and so you, you, you're tapping back into this eight to nine million people who are going into the middle class every year, they, they want to come and watch football. And, and they, they can afford to buy a ticket and jump on a seat and come down to Australia. It's a lot easier to, easier place to come to than, than London, and they love going to London. Um, and, I, and so I think there's a great opportunity, but you need to, you need to sort of kick it in now and start John? planning. Yeah, uh, just to follow up what Chris said, uh, government's got a role to play, but uh, so is private industry. And I think uh, there's an opportunity here for the LOC to utilise particularly uh, large Australian companies that are up and heavily involved in Asia. There's no doubt Australian uh, business expertise, Australian business governance is highly recognised in Asia, in fact admired and it's being copied. Uh, we're the first uh, independent board that Huawei's got in place in the world and they're going to copy this model and then export it to the rest of the world. And that's because they've said Australia has these things they want and it, it, it's got a reputation. So here we've got large companies throughout Asia already and I think over the next few years we should uh, give them the running sheet or the messages we want to put out there, encouraging them to focus on bringing their, uh, their contacts, their, their, um, their relationships, their conferences back into Australia in 2015. Uh, and over the next two years, those companies, and I talk about the big ones, BHP, ANZ, who are heavily into Asia, they have probably uh, better relations with um, Asian governments than the Australian government has. Um, in all due respect, uh, very close relationships with some overseas companies and they also have a, a large spread of business contacts already throughout Asia because they do business there all the time. So I think we can cash in on these large multinational or Australian owned large multinational companies to start spreading the message over the next two years to come to Australia whether it be business interaction, tourism interaction, or to, to watch the football. But Christopher mentioned the idea of some portal, some clearinghouse. I mean, I, mm. my sense is that coordination is extremely important. I mean, one of the, some of the ideas that have been floating around, uh, uh, Michael mentioned them this morning, the idea of a Football Asia Council, or the idea of a, you know, a permanent business club. Um, what, do, what do you think of those, of those ideas as, uh, to serve that kind of coordination and clearinghouse role? I did no. I, I, that, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, that, along with, uh, with with the LOC, also targeting the bigger companies. But but, but that getting the message out. I mean, uh, in in China now, everyone sends a, a message around, and uh, it's it, it's the main way of communicating uh, around the government, particularly in China. So the the spread, the access, the knowledge that we put out. Uh, I, I, okay, do you target the language? I was at a lunch the other day where. Uh, the statement was made in 10 years, China will be the largest English-speaking uh, language country in the world. So, you know, a lot of Chinese also understand uh, English. So, the nuances, the messages will be understood. Chris? I mean, I, I think... Um, sorry, I lost there. Where are we? So, we're talking about business... Oh, yeah, uh, permanent so permanent uh, 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 business council or... Yeah, or exactly. I lost my track. No, I mean, I, I think tapping into existing business councils great idea. I mean, you, you have them in every country. Um, you, the Australian Business Council with each country and, and they're talking, they're always looking for something to talk about. Mm. And they're always looking to an excuse to have a, a cocktail party and they always want to try something different. And they're great opportunities because you get straight in, you meet the right people mm. immediately. And, and I think sport is a, is a fantastic medium to, 
to go in and, and, and mix it up. Oh, but what about setting up something unique for, like, so we talk well, about Football Asia Council? Well, well I think you yeah. need to, do, that's what I'm saying. I think, I agree, I think that should be, should be done. Yeah. But that, they need to go into, uh, that they could look at various countries in Asia uh, and with existing programs and, and just tap in. Ashley? Look, I, I, it's a great idea. It needs to happen. And I think where it has the most power is from within the organising committee or from within the Football Federation Australia in this case. Um, I know in the past what we've done overseas around other sports has been difficult in trying to make sure that we don't step on each other's toes. Or what we're doing from a business sense certainly doesn't impede any of the athletes or teams that are competing. So operating from within the organising body and having that portal established there is where it definitely needs to, to start uh, and, and draw in the different uh, chambers of commerce and the Australian career foundations and institutions and those sorts of things have that one-stop shop there effectively. Um, ladies and gentlemen, our aim has been to make is our aim today is to make these uh, sessions as interactive as possible. So I wanted to bring in uh, some members of the audience now. Uh, if anyone has any questions or comments or contributions, um, please wait for the microphone uh, and tell us who you are uh, before you have your uh, question or comment uh, up the back there. All right, sorry. Um, I was interested being a, a lawyer as well, obviously, about balancing up a really free environment for business to be involved in this event, to leverage it and to associate, you know, to do events with it, with that um, challenge of the organising committee, providing exclusive opportunities for sponsors and to pay for those exclusive opportunities to be associated with the event. So I wonder whether this committee had any um, comments about how the organising committee runs could perhaps balance up those opportunities between free, open business network opportunities and, I suppose, exclusive opportunities for sponsors, because you don't want business to be accused of damage market. Any comments? I, well, I, I, I would say I, I think we also need to use the state government here, who, as, as you know, are very active uh, up into Asia and, uh, and you know, taking trade delegations, trying to invite uh, us back here to, to give our presentation. So I think the actual targeting of specific industries, and I'm once again back to get back to my uh, beta wick of uh, small to medium enterprises, the state governments have the expertise in that, I think, with, uh, within New South Wales and Victoria particularly, and we should put pressure on them, and I'm sure they'll respond very positive anyway for 2015, but even in the lead up, to actually bring the specific groups together and to identify the key overseas companies that need to interact with them. On the other uh, way, for the export market, they can do the same. Uh, I mean, I've uh, had a fair bit to do with New South Wales and Victoria in the last six to 12 months in their uh, missions up into China, and they have a lot of expertise there. They know who to rope in at the right time, and I think the specific events the LOC doesn't have to get there and micromanage them. It sets the agenda and then let the state governments play a big role in this in the future as well. I think it's also having an awareness um, from a, a government body about what the sponsors and the partners for various teams and, and, and organising committees uh, and tournaments actually and what they get knowing that balance and what we sort of can and can't do from the outset before uh, you go out and start planning any activities, then you, you find, that's when you find yourself in trouble. So I think talking about timing it is definitely the right time two years out to sort of be having those discussions now so you set the framework quite clearly so that the sponsors and the partners uh, get what they need, but then they're also part of the sort of the wider leveraging uh, strategy as well and seen as, as sort of a good corporate citizen in one respect. Chris? I mean, I mean it's, it's a very good point because I mean, I, 
naturally would think that sponsorship would come from within Australia. And, you know, that's an idea now, and, and maybe we should be looking at it at this time uh, and, and looking at what sort of opportunities can be created um, or not. You know, so it's, you're not missing anything. Uh, so no, I, I totally agree with on, on how this should be approached. It's, it's, it should be done now. Uh, over here. The microphone moment. Um, Paul Muniz from Credit Suisse. Um, thus far, the discussion has largely looked at what to do up until the crystallisation of this event, which to me, this is the actual important point. You're reaching an inflection point, which is the event. You should assume it will be successful. How, I'm interested in people's comments, how do we make sure that an inflection point's go up and down? How do we make sure it goes up? And that we don't lose momentum and that the advantages of having this event are taken forward beyond 2015 rather than just from now to 2015. Yeah, I, um, I, I think there's a bit of osmosis in this, in that um, uh, the, the lead-up and the event uh, should make major uh, overseas countries, companies, populations more comfortable with Australia. And to get back to the Asian white papers, talk about language over here, the main thing out of the Asian white paper is we've got to learn about each other's culture. And there's two sides to this. Sure, we Australia have to learn about different Asian cultures and feel more comfortable with them. But they need to learn about ours and feel more comfortable with ours as well. And uh, as chairman of a uh, of a company that has uh, a few uh, more uh, Chinese directors in Australia, four to three, uh, I mean they are they're working hard to understand our culture and why we decide things and why we do things differently. So I see the leader and the event uh, being important in making, as I said, companies, countries, people more comfortable with Australia's culture, the way it does business, which will then encourage them to continue that, that, that dialogue. That's very esoteric and, and high level, but I mean, part of the message is getting people to understand we as Australians, what we stand for, what our principles are, uh, you know, the types of things that, you know, the buttons we need pushed by them, as well as us learning about uh, the Asian countries. Ashley, yeah, I completely agree with John on that one. I, I guess through this early planning from now on, if we start to get our themes, the industry themes, for example, so that they do culminate in the event itself, that is more the, it's not really the end point, it's more the start point at that time in 2015. So then, you know, it lays the platform for the, for the years ahead. And, and that's exactly what we've tried to do from a major sporting event capability front in London with the Olympics, started a few years ago, culminated in London, but that actually kick-started those introductions, that high-level access for us um, with the sports minister, for example, actually started in London. And we're now starting to see a lot of these business people, decision makers of these uh, mega events over the coming years, they're starting to come down to Australia. Um, they're starting to make plans in 2013 now uh, to actually take that one step further. Uh, so the Olympics in London was sort of the, the, the pinnacle, but that for us just started it. Chris, I mean, I, I, how do we measure this? What is the success of, the, 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 of 2015, the Asian Cup? I mean, I, I see it as one, Australia is growing, growing in terms of football. It's not really on the map. If you if you talk to somebody in Malaysia or Singapore and say, well, "I follow a team in Australia," they go, yeah. and, and so you know, so I think you know we're going through this journey where, um, as we hit hit towards 2015, they should be all aware. Um, they should be excited about it. But but then how do we measure it? And I, and I see it because I mean we've been involved in football for a long time. Um, We've had clubs in England, and we've we've had partners uh, uh, with those clubs. And what what we've done is we've ended up going to business with them in another area. Um, and so 
you know, how we measure it is one, uh, success and how we, we get involved in football is one, how well we do and how, uh, our, going back to our basics, where, where we're really relying on development. So are we, is that working? But uh, as importantly is the, the business success we can have along the way and how our companies can, can grow from, from being connected to football. And I think Australian companies need to look, look at this uh, as, as we head into the Asian Cup is, well, how many deals can be done? And, and how many partnerships can be formed after that, and, and how successful they are, and then, and they're all associated with football, and I think that's probably something that should be looked at. Yep. I'm Mark Reading, I'm part of the PwC, I'm also the division of the class. Um, for me, the foundation upon which everything's built is the love of the game. Um, it's the it's the factor that unites everybody um, across the region, in the region, in the region, in Australia. Um, any strategy that doesn't make use of the players, um, any strategy that doesn't promote and leverage the personalities, um, I think is, is missing something. And I guess my question to the panel is, have you given much thought to the role of players and personalities as part of promoting uh, diplomacy and promoting business relationships? Uh, because personally, I think they've a very important role to play. Well, I, I, I can't add much, much more to that. You're right. Um, we did attend the function in Beijing with the New South Wales government, and that was just fantastic. Uh, highly successful using um, Australian footballers. This is Joel, with Joel Griffiths, mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, that, that brought it home to us. Uh, I can't comment much more because we are fairly uh, uh, immature in our use of sport so far as, as company, and uh, you know, we're going to develop that. And seeing that success, uh, of that footballer uh, there with New South Wales government was, was tremendous and, and we, uh, I mean we did not even expect an impact like that an Australian in China being so well recognised so it, it has a key role. Yeah, I think with those 44 Australian players across Asia right now in their back pocket you know, on top of mind they need to have the top three or four messages about the tournament, what it means when it's on, what it means from a business perspective just so that they're, they're aware and in their communications they're having such as the business breakfast they're, they're all singing the same tune effectively. I think adding to that also is the, the expat community uh, across Asia. I think there's 150,000 Australians living and working up there. And within that part of this chamber of commerce and, and the access that you have up there to those people, again, they've got to have that same message. So I think getting that consistent, clear message out pretty quickly is in, uh, an important one. Um, an experience we had in uh, Beijing around the Olympics was uh, with the AOC uh, at our mining function. It was effectively the who's who of the Australian mining industry, who's who of the Chinese mining industry, a few ministers in between. Um, and we also had the, the, uh, the diving team um, and some of the gymnasts there. And the power of that reception was just incredible. It, it felt like a wedding. Um, there was so much matchmaking going on. It was crazy. I think we're starting to be sort of hearing about it uh, in the press about some of the, the outcomes that that has actually happened uh, for Australian mining industry. I mean, I, I, local content is very important. I mean, if we've got Asian teams coming to Australia, you can't disregard it. You need to look at what countries are doing to promote their team coming in. I'm not sure if they're going to be doing much of it. Um, and right, if you are targeting key players from certain countries, or we're looking at targeting, you know, that's going to get gain interest from those particular countries, and it's going to get it's going to build interest from fans wanting to come here and, and so it, it's just it'll build a hype so yeah I think I think it's probably a good idea. It's interesting isn't it I mean at the time that our uh, formal diplomatic network 
is kind of shrinking uh, in some ways. When, when our you know, Department of Foreign Affairs is under you know, great pressure in terms of resources, uh, yet we've got 44 Australian footballers playing in Asia, very prominent kind of public positions, and we're, and we're not making you know best use of them. Um, so it's that I think it's a it's that you know the, the need to think outside the box a little bit about how we use uh, the various resources we have in the region, not just our embassies, but also footballers uh, at an Australian diaspora um, in terms of kind of promoting those messages. And I think it's not just the Australians that we need to mm. reach out to. I think in each of those key countries, uh, that we all know March. 2014, who they are, there will be key spokespeople from that nation that has an affiliation with Australia. They may have studied here, they may have family, they may have just travelled and loved the place. You know, we need to identify who they who they are and have them have the same message as well. Yeah, and in the same thing, follow Chris's point, um, that, that we should perhaps target the top uh, local players and and, so, and get them saying, "I'm just looking forward to getting to Australia." You know, now now that we've made it. Hopefully, China exactly. and Indonesia make but, yeah. but yeah, I can see a lot of benefit. Uh, Mr. Lowy. I mean, one of the ideas that uh, uh, could be could be employed, for instance, say that uh, we know we have a game against Korea at a certain date, six months in advance. Invite both Korean and Australian businesses that have things in common, and uh, game the pre-game have a lunch beforehand and uh, get those people to introduce each other. I mean, the function is there, the people are there, the interest is there, the introduction is required. So, I mean, these type of uh, gatherings during the period and before the, uh, the games even start, that could be done. I mean, you're looking for SME suppliers. Mm. I mean, what more opportunity can a small businessman have? Yeah. And see a customer there that is interested in his product. Mm. So they have to be, those, those uh, enterprises have to be named, have to be found in Australia, and you have to bring your own people that are looking for, for these suppliers and, uh, and get some kind of a function that is of interest to both of them, even before the game starts. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's manna from heaven. Mm. If I would be manufacturing these glasses or, or whatever, and I know that you want those glasses, well, you know. Just have to, don't have to add that, that doesn't cost anything. Mm. It just have a function to be sure that you have the names, the industries of the people for both ends. Yeah, no, I agree, Frank. And in fact, the, 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 the groups we're bringing down next year, we're doing on the back of nothing. But now you've mentioned it and we've talked about it. Uh, you know, I think we'll start to look for events to attach them to. That's good. Well, well it's interesting. We're, we're already doing it with AFC, our involvement with the Raw. So, I mean, for example, last year we we're in Tokyo and we had a game and um, Queensland Trade organised an event and they had the Australian ambassador there, they had five or six uh, leading Japanese companies there and I just happened to be there. I mean I didn't know about it but I turned up and, um, and ever since then you know we've actually we've done a little bit of business from that from that meeting so I think just exist those existing sort of I, um, things that are already going on I think we just look at them and, and, and bring them here. I, I just wanted to pick up on something you said there, I think it's really interesting. You said, you know, it was great, the event, um, but I didn't know about it and I just happened to be there. And th you've kind of picked up both the power of it, but also some of the oh. missed opportunity that, you know, that, that I'm sure it wasn't just you that, that, that didn't know about it. And it's that, that need we have to kind of build some network for, for making sure that the, the people know that these things are, uh, are happening. Moya, um, and then I'll be back there. 
more the Dodd Book partner at Gideon Tone Lawyers and the FFA Director and on the AFC Organising Committee for 2015. Um, you mentioned the 44 players that uh, Australia has in, uh, in around Asia. Um, there are also, of course, a lot of travelling teams. We have teams at all levels. Um, and if, to, to look at how often our teams play and where they go, you only have to look at John Maltby's passport. And I think in the last <laughs> two weeks he's got stamps from the Philippines, uh, Bangkok, the UAE. Where have you been? He, he's all over the place. So I mean, did you know, for example, that last night when the tour was played in Hong Kong uh, and uh, beat Hong Kong 4-0 in uh, tomorrow, sorry, that, tomorrow they're playing China in Hong Kong. And uh, a couple of days ago, um, they um, they also played another game for one seven nil against Taiwan. They're the international players. Now those games are going on all the time. Uh, the under seventeen girls team played in, in the Philippines. The boys, of course, are playing constantly all over Asia. And these are also our our diplomats, uh, our uh, face to the world. And in particular, I have to I'd be remiss not to mention uh, women's football and the fact that the Matildas are champions of Asia, having won the Asian Cup in China in 2010. Um, now, my fellow directors at the FFA are probably sick of hearing me say that in Australia we're 20% of the players, 50% of the population, and 75% of the buyers. You might even think that low things are a little bit lower. But in Asia, of course, with the growing middle class, you're going to see uh, the rise of um, female purchasers as decision makers, and those are also important audiences who are heavy users of social media, uh, who will be uh, important to our ability to engage across Asia. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, John, John Bolton. John Bolton from Football Federation Australia. And one of the realities of the tournament is that of the 16 nations, at least eight will be from the Middle East. Not our necessarily most established trading uh, partners. Um, we see that in the Socceroos qualification at the moment. We're in a group of five. There's Japan, Oman, Iraq, and Jordan. Should we be developing specific strategies for that part of Asia? And what should those strategies be? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have, it's, they, they have different interests. And, and if you, that's, that's where, I mean, we, we well, I've always tapped on existing knowledge and local knowledge, and, and that may not be from locals, but it may be a foreign agency or a government body that is already operating in a country, and they, and they know the landscape. And you know, if you look at the Middle East, they have different cultures to some of the Asian countries. They're Muslim. Not all the countries in Asia are Muslim. Indonesia happens to be, and they're fairly similar. But um, you can look at some of the North Asian countries, there, and, and, and particularly, you know, look at Korea, Japan, or not. So. There's, there's different customs and different processes and ways they like to, uh, like to uh, apply to things like football. And um, it, it could be the way they like to spend their holidays. It could be the way they, you know, you may want to attach it around religion, and I'm not sure the, 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 the dates uh, of games, but you know, there could be, could be something related to that. Uh, I don't think you should, I think you should, should, should be aware of it anyway, or any case. Um, but. Yeah, and the answer is yes. I mean, you've got to you've got to look at different cultures and and, and, and target what they're really interested in. Some of them are yeah. different. Actually, sport diplomacy is an important part of the government strategy in the Middle East. Um, even prior to the Socceroos versus Iraq match uh, a few weeks ago, you know, I know there was 20 or so key uh, business people from that region that were able to working with the FFA to make sure that they were there to sort of grease the wheels. I I guess. 
Um, and there are other sports that we're tapping into as well. So it's not just football, it's the, the Formula One, for example, um, where the ambassador hosted a function over there. Recently, we're already working on plans for 2013 and 2014 in Abu Dhabi, and it's all geared towards the Olympics in, oh, sorry, the FIFA World Cup in 2022. Um, so it is happening uh, at a sort of a, an infancy stage, but it's, it's certainly a key strategy for us. And, and John, I can only support that in that uh, we're in 140 countries and we have a regional policy for how we sell every message or every product or whatever. It's done by region. Uh, you have to. Uh, it's a waste of time. I and mean, one of the reasons we're into sport in Australia is because we know Australians love sport and follow sport. And that was one way of getting our name known and, and pronounced roughly right. <laughs> Mr Lowe, you had another uh, comment. Yes, I have another point, not necessarily for the 2015. But every time an Australian team, every time an Australian team travels uh, to a certain place, I think maybe we could uh, kind of promote that within Australia and five or ten businessmen go with the team mm. to uh, and, and organize some uh, functions around it. Because the people are there, the businessmen will come, they also like sport, they also like to see Australia play because there is kind of quite a a big rivalry between Australia and many of these countries. So I think that's uh, even uh, on a regular tour. I mean, Australia goes to Asia how many times a year, and that could be. And, and then, of course, the the, the Asia Cup in 2015 is a, is a big, big event. But I mean, there are other supporting events that could lead up to that. I mean, uh, and we often talk. We are usually talk about China, Korea, you know, because we are so connected with them. But what do we what do what do, what do we do business with Saudi Arabia, for instance? Mm -hmm. They will probably be here at um, qualify for the 2015 and countries of that of that nature. Of course, uh, Iraq is an issue for themselves. It's not quite right now, but it will be. They have a very good team in spite of that. So I think that these opportunities uh, really not an FFA function, but an FFA in Australia continuous dialogue between the well in advance, I mean the, the, the agenda is set, you know, a year, two or three years ahead. So I think that would be, uh, that would be uh, a very good vehicle to make these connections on business level. Of course, diplomacy is also, usually the ambassador is there, and you can invite some of the government people there. So there is a vehicle, I mean, we live in Asia. The FFA lives in Asia. It qualifies within Asia. It goes to, you know, goes off into there. So I think that we haven't, um, when when we did make contact and became members of the AFC, Australia Asian Confederation. I mean, all those things were kind of in our mind. But now that the forum is here, I think we articulate them more, and the people are listening. Particularly the Australian. I think uh, you know, we have here the state government. Uh, also, I mean, of course, they are very active in these areas and, and follow countries that we don't talk to every day, because maybe in three or four years' time we will talk to them also every day. Any other comments, questions? Well, yes, uh, down here. <coughs> yes, it's uh, David Tucker from uh, Football Federation Australia. I'm head of commercial uh, with the FFA. One of my uh, roles is to uh, procure our international match opponents. Uh, for Socceroos and, and, and for some of the other teams, including Matildas. Now, working with John on this, uh, John Bowlby, 
we obviously have looked at the calendar a number of years ahead with an eye on the Asian Cup in 2015. Now, touch wood, we've qualified uh, for Brazil in 2014. What we find is a very rich period of opportunity for the Socceroos to um, play some opponents in that back end of 2014 across, across those FIFA dates. Uh, in the lead up to 2015 now, clearly there's sort of two levels of opponents that we should be addressing. One is from a performance perspective, but two is from a trade and a government relations perspective. Um, the Socceroos will be the team that really takes centre stage across, you know, realistically a six to eight month period, which creates great opportunities for partners of the game and partners of the team to, to use our matches to engage through. But are there specific opponents that you believe we should be targeting? We have a, and as Mr Lowy alluded to, we have a, a, uh, a reciprocal friendly with Korea for November of 2014 back in Australia, which will clearly hold uh, great value for, for government relations and, and, and partner relations. But are there other countries that you believe we should be targeting that can provide specific value? But, but uh, I just make a quick comment in that we can't hit everyone and you know you can throw a lot out there and if you get a little bit on a lot of blue you don't get a lot back but what I mean by that is I think it does need a coordinating strategy uh, once again you know the state governments know who they're targeting next two or three years the government reps I talk to which countries which products which businesses uh, so they are getting more focused and I think I'd hate to waste the opportunity uh, of our of our team playing in countries that uh, perhaps are not on our priority list for business, etc. Maybe professionally, and that will be a different decision. But I think we do need a coordinated approach to which businesses, uh, and therefore which, which countries, and, and make the most of these opportunities. Ashley, if soccer has played Brazil, it would do wonders for Australian-Brazil <laughs> relations. And, and for the soccer leaders. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I think we'd go back, I mean, Choosing company, countries to play with—that's that's one thing—and I think you know there's someone someone's better has the expertise, better expertise than I have in, in choosing it. But I, I think Slow's idea was a very good idea, and in, in using opportunities like that to to take delegate take a delegation of businessmen along and create an event around it. I, wonder, I mean, I think that's fantastic. We're going to talk uh, later today about the kind of diplomatic um, uh, relations, but. While, you, while you're here, Christopher, I wanted to talk about the Australia-Indonesia relationship. I mean, a lot of people now, politicians coming out, the former Prime Minister Keating coming out saying that the Indonesia relationship is under underdeveloped. Uh, we need to put more, more time and effort into it, whether it's in business or the kind of the general political relationship. Do you think do you think football can play a role there? And beyond your kind of Brisbane well, uh, Brisbane experience, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I I um, learnt recently that. I think I'm correct in saying that the Australian mission in, in Jakarta is the largest foreign mission. Yes. Um, they have a fantastic relationship with the Indonesian government. I know that. Um, and they have a lot, I mean, you can put aid aside for a minute. They've spent a lot of money on aid and have been doing it for a number of years and I think that's good. But you're right, I think there's other opportunities and, and, and sports is, is one of those channels that should be looked at. Um, we're looking at it. Uh, I mean, from a Buckley perspective, we're doing it. We're we're in, we're involved in football. Of course, we feel that we're in a position where we can offer an opportunity where probably in other countries the government should be doing. So we're taking up that role. But I think Australia, th there's a role for Australia in there too. Um, and, and and you're right, sports diplomacy across a number of uh, levels, uh, uh, there's, there's a great opportunity. And I think I think that 
possibly they should be looking at that too uh, in Indonesia. Well, I, I have one more point to make actually. I can't listen to the to make an ad for football. We are, we are planning to play Turkey on Anzac Day. Mm. Um, uh, this coming year, I'm not quite sure it's going to come out, but it's, it's supported by the government. We've seen the ambassador, the ambassador was very interested. We are talking to them to, 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 and then maybe in 2015 we could have a tri-party. It could be New Zealand, Australia and Turkey. Mm. And just imagine that maybe on the 24th of April, at night in Turkey they play, and it's the morning here. Mm. I, I mean, I'm just giving the opportunity mm. that I'm not talking about here, not particularly about Asia or the Asia Cup, but I can't have to put a plug in for football. <laughs> what service? What service is going to be? And my interest in the football, of course, is football. But our interest is at FFA is to promote Australia in every way that we can. So uh, those people are listening and some idea comes to them, you know, the FFA uh, uh, website or, or office is open to listen to that because there are untold opportunities. We are the only game that covers the whole world. So, why not use them? I think importantly, in 2015 is the 100th centenary. That's exactly right. Exactly yeah. well. That's, really That's the time that we are looking for both New Zealand, Turkey and ourselves to, to have a game in Australia. Mm. Any other comments? Yes, uh, at the back there. Uh, Richard Wilson from Melbourne Victory. Um, just a question about what role can the A-League clubs and how do you see the A-League clubs playing a role? We've got uh, Tony from Sydney FC, we've got Scott from Melbourne Heart, obviously Griffith Raw. I guess, is there a role for the clubs from a football perspective, from a business perspective, other than just trying to go out to best in competition and community engagement? And so, is your role we can play um, to, to support us over here? I mean, yes, I mean, I, I, yes, Richard, I mean, we're looking at that obviously because of our role in Prison Raw, but, um, and, and being an Indonesian owned club, but um, um, we're looking at bringing the Raw to, to Indonesia next year. Um, and we're looking at uh, a whole range of programs, not just. You know, Playing teams out there, but you know, <coughs> programs. Um, so it's 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 quite a, a, a multifaceted program that we're looking at doing. At the same time, we've gone. Why do we have to do it just in Indonesia? And and and, and, this, and why does it just have to be us? And uh, I know some of the other clubs go to. I mean, uh, Tony Sage Perth went over to South Africa, and I, I, I mean, he has obviously a connection to South Africa, but I. I think there's a lot of opportunities for the clubs in, in, in pre-season to to go to Asia, where and, and untap and uncap that that interest uh, in football and sort of head it towards the south, because uh, I think it'll it'll it will benefit everybody in, uh, in the A League and football itself in Australia is getting those millions of people, or billions of people in Asia starting to look at that at Australia because the quality's good, the quality's getting better. Um, and, but they don't, they're not really getting the attention. I think that's what it would take, is getting clubs to go up there and play. John, related to that question, um, yeah. a lot of people want, wouldn't be aware of the fact that uh, a lot of Australian club, club teams when they're playing in the Asian Champions League are not just going to capitals, they're also going to kind of regional areas, particularly regional China. How important is that in terms of giving you kind of access to those markets beyond the kind of capital? Yeah, but I'll answer that first and then make room for another yeah. the, the question. Uh, it, it, it is very important and, and, uh, and the state governments, uh, companies like us recognise you don't go to China. 
uh, it's too big. And all the states have chosen a province, and that's their little part of the world, although they move broader than that for the interests of businesses. So, yes, the, 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 the province, particularly in a country the size of China, and Indonesia I know a little bit about, but it's pretty broken up into different groups, and you really got to target uh, which ethnic group, which businesses you want. So, which island? Twelve thousand or something. Yeah, um, but, but but definitely in China, uh, the, the provinces are the real focus for for business activities and for Australian industries going in. And the trade missions that go, they go to a, a province with messages to sell, and that's important. Getting back to Richard's question, A League, um, as as a representative of a company uh, overseas company that couldn't even spell sport eighteen months ago. Uh, we now think sport is a fantastic way to communicate with the Australian public. Uh, I would encourage every A-League team to knock on the door of every over major overseas company in Australia, even the mining companies, and tell them what you can do for us. The companies that approached us, and there was about six plus a couple of national sporting bodies uh, trying to tell us how to sponsorship, put together fantastic packages of what sport could do for us. We then took that, we the Australian directors who understand how good sport is, back into the global headquarters who couldn't spell sport and they took a bit of convincing but now they, they've seen the benefits. So you know, the, the opportunity's there. But you target these companies who've, who've never even thought of sport before as, a, as an access point into Australia, into the broad Australian market. Yeah, I agree. I think from, from the other side as well is, is having an awareness of when these, sort of the forward calendar I guess, when some of these teams are thinking about it, when they're actually going, we might be able to influence a particular time of the year or a particular month or whatever it might be to actually get the best result. And I think that it also works in reverse as, as well for teams coming out to Australia and also influencing when they might be playing here. I think we ought to have with the Australian and FFA ought to be a very close, uh, very close uh, working relationship and maybe worthwhile to set up a small uh, division for that. Mm. One of the, I mean, that, that, that raises, a, yeah. raises a very important point and, this, and we've kind of touched on it in this session and that's a question of responsibility. We've talked about some of the things that we can do, we've talked about the things that need to happen between now and, and 2015, but what we haven't, we've, and we've touched a little bit on who should take responsibility for it. I mean, does it need to be one body? Can it be many? Uh, uh, we've talked a bit about the role of coordination. I, I, I want to come back to that because I think it's, an, it's an important that, you know, we don't just leave today saying, well, all right, there's some great ideas came out of that and we kind of got some ideas about what we're going to do, but then it doesn't get done because no one takes responsibility for it. So, Ashley, over to you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think everyone does have a responsibility to be involved, but you definitely need to have that coordinating mechanism. I think it does the best place, and I think it should reside within something like a, the organising committee for this particular tournament. Um, I think the sort of the reality check for Austrade in 2012 is our focus is pure activities and events internationally, not so much what's happening here in Australia. So that's, that's a bit of a, a challenge for us right now to say, okay, we will do this again in Australia as we have done before we've taken on that lead role and we've, we've done it quite well, I think. Um, but in the current environment, we're just not resourced to do that. In fact, we've had some budget cuts. So it's something that pity the minister's not here to, to sort of hear how, um, how, how difficult it, it can be to, to have the best of both worlds. Well, I actually add, from a business perspective, once we have, and it's coordination, you're dead right, Anthony, once we have identified the industries, the companies and the countries we want to attract here and, and put the packages together, the designated events with the key targets, 
it has to be a whole package. And what I mean by that is, um, as a foreign company coming into Australia, you can, uh, you're encouraged to invest and throw your money around, but then when you go into certain areas, you're told the rules don't allow you to go into that area. So as we put this together, and I don't know who it is, actually, but uh, perhaps Australia, the government, there needs to be a total packaging. Yes, please invest here, but here's the rules that you invest under. So these companies don't come here, think they can invest everywhere, and then follow the next steps after this major event and find out there's rules that stop them, then they lose interest, etc. You lose the whole opportunity. Uh, I don't know how you do this, but there needs to be a total package which shows the opportunity, but also uh, clearly articulates uh, Australia's uh, rules and regulations in how to go about implementing what you've just found is a great opportunity as an overseas company. Mm. So it needs that total package out there. That's why it does need to be these real focused events, not the broad cocktail party, yeah. everyone from every industry standing there smiling at each other. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I like it as I think you need to think out of the box. You need a, bo a body to control it. You need one head. Uh, but you need some smart people who are looking at across a number of areas uh, and thinking out of the box and, and, and tapping into Austrade and various business councils or setting up football business councils uh, or, 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 or working with a national team or working with the A-League and, and, and working with tourism and tour operators and, and, and thinking about it, just the whole landscape, um, a 360 degree approach. Um, but it, it, it needs to be somebody experience. Michael. Thanks. Um, thanks, gentlemen. It's a fascinating discussion. Um, one of the things that we are very focused on is the legacy that, that this event will leave. That's a legacy that leads into the event, is celebrated during the event, and hopefully continues long after the event, which so many events in Australia and around the world haven't done as well as they perhaps would have. Um, it seems to me that you know, we talk about who owns the responsibility, and certainly for me as the Chief Executive, I think that the local organising committee should be, uh, through its board and through its management, the central point. Certainly over the next two years, there's actually says to coordinate those activities, and yes, there'll be issues of resource, and yes, there'll be issues of contact, but I think if we can uh, get people associated with that, we'll, we'll solve those issues, mm. and we'll get to the bottom of making sure that we build a, a long-lasting program. And what I'd like to hear from people in the room today is, how they can buy to that, as we've heard from their speakers, because I think this is something that can be significant and it should be started um, tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I'll throw that open to kind of the business people in the audience. I mean, are, are there things that uh, you would like to see as, as, as business people that haven't been mentioned here? Are there ideas that you have that, um, that are worth kind of throwing into the mix? Everyone's a bit shy. Sure. Um, my name's Chad Gibson. I was the inaugural captain for Queensland Hall in the first two years. Um, I undertake, I'm a creative freelancer, I run my own company. Uh, all my projects that I undertake, football's the origin. It's the basis of everything I do. Um, I create many documentaries. Everything is based around football. I am part of a movement that wants the game to work. A generation now that no longer we want to be the sleeping giant. We want the game to work. Um, in saying that, our game is bigger than the 90 minutes. It transcends society. All my contacts through my creative community are football people. They're not your general football people, but they love the game. That's all we talk about. I under created an underscore program last year that was funded by FA, by Miss Bowlby, um, that went around to all the clubs um, to speak to the players because of being a past player, understanding where they've been, on the importance of networking while they're playing to help with their career upwards. 
and delving into <coughs> mental health. Just from a player's point of perspective, um, and when I spoke to the guys, I gave them several examples, but the main, the main ones were, um, being a player, you go to a function, and it's a mentality of, it's changing, but it was a mentality of get in and get out. Two people on a table, sit. Sit together with your teammate, business people be there and there's not that connection. As you said today, there's an amazing connection between the business sector and the sporting sector. So I just gave the guys two or three examples and I'll just run through two of them quickly. I don't want to take too much of your time and I hope I'm not speaking out of order. Um, I said to the guys, I said, you go to a business function and you sit next to Mr. Lowy. You may not have actually anything in common with Mr. Lowy. You don't want to get involved in business or in anything like that. But you sit down, you have a good conversation, and you make a, a really good impact on him. He goes back, and he goes, I met Matt Smith from Brisbane Raw. What a beautiful man. We're going to sponsor them next year. You know, you may not have got anything from that person from that meeting, but your team may now have a new sponsor. Um, and then likewise, the, uh, other, the other one that I told them was, you may, you know, meet... Sorry, the name, sir. Shahid and meet someone from Shahid's company, Matt Smith again as an example. Um, and then Shahid might take this group and say, I really met Matt Smith, I'm going to bring Brisbane Raw into my company to do a workshop. All of a sudden, his company now are Brisbane Raw supporters. And it's all from that one meeting. I think it's just vitally important that what you're doing here today is great, but also to let the players know. And let the players know their role, the impact that they can have, and don't let them go into functions blindly. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> Any comment about kind of the, the, the kind of connecting the players and, and I mean it's a difficult thing, right? You know, we expect our football players to go out there to play their hearts out ninety minutes, they do a lot for the country, but also then to kind of put this on as well that they're also out there as ambassadors for the country, ambassadors for trade. Uh, um, you know, is there a balance there? Uh, can we reasonably expect it? Can I can I I mean you're right. I mean, I, I totally agree, and it's, if you look at, look at a club and you look at the values of the club, it's in the players, and, and how they present themselves and, and how, and, and, and simple as that, how they present themselves on the pitch and, and off the pitch, and, um, and we see that as a very important component of how we are, and how us, our sponsors see us, and, and how we sell, see ourselves as a club, and I think all the clubs are the same. As I, I, and, I, and I'm sure they do all of the same programs that we do uh, in engaging their, their sponsors and looking for all sponsors and, and, and engaging the community. And I mean, we do it. I mean, last year we, we gave uh, workshops to 30,000 kids. Uh, we're going to increase that to 300,000. And we're doing it through our players and we're doing it through um, coaches um, and and we, so we think, we think it's very important is, 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 is it's showing the community and sponsors uh, what our values are and using the players as, an, as that example. Mm. I have to admit, as a sponsor, our players are fantastic, our players. Uh, we feel they're our players. They're always available. They, they're always proud to mention, uh, mention our company. And it, it, I mean, that's part of this fantastic reward we're getting out of our first ever sponsorship. On the uh, supporter side, um, I, I, when, we, uh, when we launched our sponsorship, we said the, uh, the, the, the Canberra Raiders uh, just got 140,000 new supporters. 
because uh, you know, that's how many people work for the company. And it's in the newsletter across the world every month is the, how the Canberra Raiders are doing. Here they are, here's their jumper. Uh, and if we have this rugby league game in, in Shenzhen next year, we won't be able to fit all of our employees in Shenzhen into the ground. So, but we will have every seat of the 30,000 seats filled with someone wearing a lime green jumper. They're fantastic. And I think most sports, I know, uh, I mix a bit with, uh, with football and a bit with uh, golf and other sports. Uh, most people are focused on that now, and it's very important. I think we need to get you to change codes. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it and give it make another one. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. Broaden out. Actually, oh, I, I agree with everything. I think from a, from a business promotion perspective, sometimes it is difficult. The reality check is that uh, a lot of the players have contractual obligations with sponsors, so we need to be very careful in how we reach out and engage the players in, in business promotion activities unless there's a, you know, a pure association with the, the peak sporting body that we can work with and it's just been our experience. Ladies and gentlemen, we've touched on a lot of issues today. Uh, there's a lot of food for thought, certainly for me, as someone that has to now try and uh, put all this stuff down on paper. Uh, I'm glad it was being recorded because I couldn't have kept up trying to keep notes for it. But uh, it's been a real pleasure to, to have the three of you here today and also the kind of audience participation. So please join me in thanking uh, John Lord, uh, Christopher and, and Ashley.